Welcome to Susie Petrozzi's Empowered Conversations. With over 20 years of experience as a clinical psychologist, Susie is an expert at taking people on a journey of personal growth and self-discovery. Join Susie as she talks to remarkable people who share their insights and lessons for living a purpose-driven life to inspire you in your own journey. Welcome to another episode. Uh, today, my guest is Emma Bloomfield, who is a Sydney-based residential interior designer, author of two best-selling decorating books, and most recently, tech founder of Decor Library. Emma's philosophy for design is that everyone is worthy of living in a beautiful space, regardless of their budget. Emma is not just passionate about making spaces and events beautiful, but also giving back to the less fortunate. So working regularly with women's shelters, children's charities, and she's also a proud ambassador for the Royal Flying Doctors. Emma, that sounds really amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome. (laughs) Welcome to the conversations. And I'm really eager to ask you, how did you start? How did you come to interior design? I didn't go the normal route. I was um, the typical kid at school that didn't really pay too much attention to their studies and then finished school and thought, "Mm, what do I want to do now? (laughs) And I ended up going into a business degree because I'd done relatively okay in business studies and thought, oh, well, that seems like the natural progression until I work it out. Did that for four years, decided I didn't actually want to pursue a career in business marketing and landed a job with an interior designer with absolutely zero experience. I was just really passionate about creating beautiful spaces. I was always redecorating my own room as a kid, um, helping mum with the house and was lucky enough to get a role with a designer doing high-end residential design. And that kind of kick-started my career in the interiors industry and I've never left the industry since. Wow. So how long have you been doing this for? I've had my business for 10 years and probably been in the industry for nearly 15. Wow. So hang on, let me get this straight. You started, so you did the business degree, uh, landed yourself a role for an um, high-end interior design company, not in a business role, but actually um, in the interior design kind of role. Yeah, she needed somebody to assist with her online store, which complemented her design services. So this was well before the big e-commerce boom of, you know, the Temple and Webster's of the world. And I had tech skills, obviously, coming out of a business degree, Mm -hmm. had a bit of marketing understanding as well, which helped her with the online store and then assisted her with the projects that she kind of didn't have enough time to work on. And yeah, she, she pretty much handed control of the website over to me. And yeah, I guess that's where my love of tech kind of started as well. Mm. So there's the tech and there's the business side to you that you've, that's kind of always been there by the sounds of things, but Mm. applying it in the way that, you know, fits for you. Now you've had your business, you said for about 10 years. Mm -hmm. Um, How did you decide to kickstart that? (laughs) I never really intended for it to be more than just a hobby that kind of made me a few extra dollars because obviously being in a junior role, I wasn't getting paid the big bucks and was just looking for a few extra dollars on the side. I had a lot of friends coming to me saying, 
that they were moving out for the first time, renting their own spaces, asking for advice and obviously couldn't afford my boss because she was charging mega dollars mm-hmm. and they knew that I'd obviously learned some things on the job <laughs> so were asking me for advice and I thought, oh, well, maybe I could make this a service that I offer online and I'd seen a lot of US bloggers offering a service called e-decorating which meant that people sent photos of their house, measurements mm-hmm. and just a brief idea of what they wanted to achieve And I just worked with them remotely and it's been 10 years of me doing a lot of remote work. I've worked with people that live on cattle stations in Queensland um, through to just inner city terrace houses in Melbourne, uh, Perth, all over the country really. Wow. So hang on, I'm really curious, how are you able to do that in terms of how your (laughs) mind works? Are you like super visual? I am, yes, I am. I have to see everything. I had a client the other day send me a Word document of just text. She hadn't put any photos in and she's just described what she wants. Mm-hmm. And I looked at it and just went, oh my God, I can't read this. I can't, I'm not going to be able to take this in. Mm-hmm. So I always ask clients to do a Pinterest board for me or save some images from a magazine that they found mm-hmm. and then tell me what it is that they do and don't like from that picture. Because as they say, a picture paints a thousand words. So mm-hmm. I'm definitely more of the visual type of person that needs to see photos and videos to understand what the brief is and, and understand more about the house and then pull something together from there. Mm, that's incredible. So when they send you photos and you can still, you have a really good representation or yeah, representation, what you're working with and what you need to work with. Yeah, absolutely. And then that, cause I mean, somebody's definition of what they think Hamptons is might be very different to my definition yeah. of what I think Hamptons is. So them saying to me, Oh, I want my bedroom to be very Hamptons. I'll go and do something and then show them and they'll go, no, that's not what I meant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so if mm-hmm. they've shown me photos first, then we're definitely on the same page when it comes to selecting the right pieces for them. Mm. Okay. So tell me, tell me this, what is it that makes you like, you know, you've been doing this now for over did I, is 15 years or more? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, nearly 15. You know, you sound really passionate about it. I've seen your website. There's so much, you know, you can just feel that passion and energy. What is it about it that continues to fuel you given that you've been doing this for so long now? I love the transformation. Everyone loves the before and after, don't they? I mean, that's why we all watch the block so that you can see it go from nothing to something really incredible. (laughs) And I think I get addicted to that. I come into a new house and I'm the type of person that will enter any house or any space and I'll mentally redecorate it the entire time I'm standing in that space. Mm. And a lot of my friends say, I'm not inviting you over because you're going to (laughs) judge. And I'm like, no, I'm not judging. I'm just thinking of how you could do it differently. Like I don't see it from a negative perspective. I don't see it as an opportunity. So I sit there thinking, oh, if we move the sofa over there and then if you put an artwork there and then maybe you put a mirror here. (laughs) And I love that process of working with the client when they open their house up and go do what you want. Mm -hmm. And then we kind of work through that and then seeing the finished result at the end and that wow factor of this has gone from a concept through to actual spaces that look beautiful um, mm. is a really fun process. You know, one of the things that I, that I read early on in, the, in your intro was that you were saying that everyone is worthy of living in a beautiful space. Mm. Um, tell, me, tell me about that. Like tell me where does the essence of that come from and why is that so important? Like what, mm. why, what are people missing out on if they don't invest that time or energy and even money right into that? Mm. I wrote a lot about that in one of the books. I can't remember which one it was. It might have been Keeping House. And I talked about how 
a lot of the time people contact a professional to help them with their house right before they sell. Mm. And I have such an issue with that because I'm like, why are you making it nice for somebody else and you've never bothered Mm. to put the effort in to make it nice for you? And I understand that they obviously know that they're going to make money from putting that effort in and they get that Mm. return straight away. But why aren't we making that effort before you sell? Why aren't you enjoying it? as a family or, you know, as a couple before you actually make money out of it because any effort that you put into the house well before you sell is actually still going to make you money at the end. So Mm. don't leave it to the very end to do that. Start earlier and actually enjoy it yourself, not make it nice for somebody else to enjoy. Mm. And, and like when you say that, it's just so logical. And why is it that we don't tend to do that, that people don't tend to do that? I think COVID's changed that because everyone's obviously spent a lot more time at home and they haven't had the money to spend or they have had money to spend on that. They haven't been Mm. spending their money on going on a European holiday or, you know, taking the kids to the movies on the weekend. Mm. They've had extra cash for that sort of stuff. And Mm. so now they're paying attention to it. Whereas before it was like, oh, we're so busy. We've got kids sport. We've got, you know, birthday parties. We've got barbecues. Mm. We're just never home. And so they weren't investing in the house. Yeah, And now that's definitely changed because we are spending so much more time at home. And I don't think that, you know, because we've got vaccinations and we're able to travel again, that that's going to be a sudden shift back to what it was before. I think we've changed for good and we mm. will see that people are paying more attention to their surroundings again. Mm. Well, it's interesting you say that because, you know, of course, you know, we've been at home and one of the things we've been saying like, John, my husband's wanted, you know, an outdoor kitchen. And we're like, so why are you not making the outdoor kitchen? Why is that? Why haven't we started that? Like you want that. And he's like, yeah, bugger that. I'm going to do that. So it is to like, that's a really important point, isn't it? And when Mm. we, when we create that beautiful space or when we give ourselves that thing that we want, that we look forward to, that we know like he's going to enjoy cooking outside. I know that. Um, What do you see change for people like in your own clients? You know, I know it's, it's a space, mm. but a space impacts us. It affects our oh, so much. Tell me, talk to me about that. Because <laughs> I'm a psychologist, you know I'm going to dig I into. <laughs> exactly, exactly right. And I think that's part of it, like giving yourself permission to spend the money to do those changes. Mm. I mean, the impact that it has on you personally, but not just you, it's everyone that uses the house as well. It, it, it's only going to make things better for you. Mm. Yes, it might cost you a bit of money to get to that point, but you don't necessarily need to go and spend hundreds of thousands of dollars on the house to make it functional and beautiful. You Mm. can do those things on a budget. And I'm a firm believer that any budget can exist. And I have done this with many projects. I've worked on a lot of charity projects where we've pulled together things that have been donated. So Mm. we've not spent a cent, but we've been able to make the spaces beautiful. And I've worked with a lot of clients who are like, I just want to shop at Ikea because I can't afford anything beyond that. Mm. But I just want to make sure that the rooms work. Um, and it doesn't mean that you have to go to Coco Republic to fit the whole house out. You can do things on a budget and make it beautiful. You just kind of have to give yourself permission to do that and, and then enjoy it. Mm. That's a big one. You've hit the nail on the head. Give give ourselves permission to do that. I mean, this is all about empowered conversation. And, mm. you, you know, it is it is about, give. you know, we become more empowered through that when we can enjoy that space and embody that space, you know, something mm. changes. So if someone was considering, um, let's say, changing something and, and they can't do say big things they're not they're not at that point or whether it be budget wise or whatever it is what would be 
um, I'm just picking a random number, three things that you would kind of recommend people focus on to create some kind of, um, you know, to create a change in this space. And I know I'm really throwing this at you, but, <laughs> but you know, like kind of key elements that you would work with. Yeah, I. a lot of people say, oh, I was drawn to your website. I wanted to use your services because of your use of colour. Mm-hmm. And I think colour, and obviously you would have some information to weigh in on this, I think colour has a significant impact on our feelings and our emotions in a space because mm-hmm. ultimately what I do as a designer is, yes, I sell furniture, but I also create a feeling and evoke emotions in the space. And the the greatest compliment that I can receive from a client after I've finished working with them is for them to say, I love the feeling when I open the door and come home. Mm. And they're not saying to me, I love the rug you chose and I love the sofa you picked and I'm obsessed with the artwork on the walls. Yeah. They're talking about feelings yes. and, and that to me is the most, um, I think that's the most beneficial thing when you actually start to pay attention to your surroundings because your environment significantly impacts everything that you then put out into the world. And yes, it's all behind closed doors and maybe you don't invite people over and they don't see that space, but how you then go and interact in the world has a significant impact on others. So it all kind of starts at home. (laughs) That's huge though, what you just said. Like that's really big, that's big picture stuff. Yeah. And we can can really – overlook that like how we mm. the space that we create will impact how we go out into the world like yeah. that's really huge I know that's yeah, and yeah I think that's landing for me home, <laughs> I think if you're not happy at home then that reflects in so mm. many other aspects of your life yeah yeah so okay that that's taking me to a question of hoarding and clutter and maybe we don't have to talk <laughs> about like hoarding to the nth degree although I have seen that what happens in a space where there's clutter, and I'm sure you've had this, you know, mm. where people have come to your mind and said, I, I just, look, I don't know where to start, but I just need to. Mm. What are you working with there and what's the starting point for you there? You have to be so careful with those clients because they do come up from time to time. And, I mean, predominantly people contact an interior designer when they've moved house because it prompts them to start thinking mm-hmm. about their surroundings again or the house is completely different style and they've got furniture that just doesn't work. But when I get somebody that's been in a house for say maybe eight years or more, mm-hmm. there tends to be clutter that comes with that. And mm-hmm. unless they're doing a renovation, that's meaning they have to move stuff out of the way. Mm-hmm. A lot of the time they just don't see it. And I'll come in and be like, oh God, we yeah. <laughs> need to roll our sleeves up and do some work here before I can bring new products into the house. Yeah. So you have to tread carefully because sometimes that stuff means things to them and it looks like junk to me, but it's got, you know, significant importance to them. So you have to tread really carefully and understand how far can I push this person? Can I tell them to bin it all? Or do we have to work through this over a period of time? Mm. And that can be really difficult because if they're not willing to part with that stuff or they've got, mm. you know, some kind of connection to it, it might be, you know, a loved one that's passed that's given them that, that item they don't want to throw that away and you have to be really careful with the language that you use when you're working with them because you might not think it works, but mm. you have to respect that they have placed meaning on that that item. So can I ask you something? Because I wonder how helpful this might be, you know, for individuals to ask themselves. Although if it's if it's if it's to a point where they can't see it, they may not have um they may not be Often able to ask okay. that question. Yeah, yeah. But what might be, you know, what might be some of the questions that you would ask or something that you would mm, 
yeah, how might you ask about some of those things in a way that, that you really want to get them to think about how is this, I don't know, helping them or is it serving them? Yeah, that's they're all good questions and, and things like is it practical, is it useful, is it beautiful? Mm. Uh, because they can all be different things and you have to you have to make sure that you take those things into consideration. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if it if it can be rehomed as well, so maybe mm. it doesn't need to necessarily be in a room that it's in at the moment, you could find somewhere else for it to go. Or does it need to go into storage and then it might work in a future home? Or do they have another property like a beach house or a farmhouse that you could potentially mm. move it to? or give it to a relative. So, yeah, there's there's all of those things that come into consideration. But I think understanding the significance behind that piece first and understanding how attached they are to it and why they're attached to it and then whether or not it needs to be incorporated into the design or if you can find another use for it. Yeah, so much so much unpacking, isn't there? Like literally like yeah. unpacking emotionally. I mean, it's really there's so much psychology in what you're doing. Um, Absolutely. I always joke that I should have on my business card marriage counsellor as well as designer. Oh, okay. So let me ask about that. <laughs> yes, I have a lot to say on that. <laughs> okay. So what what happens there when you're working with couples and <laughs> someone wants one thing and the other person wants another thing or how do you, yeah. What, that what, is really difficult. Well, what, are the common, what are the common kind of difficulties or challenges that you would encounter? Um, one of them, one of the big ones is differing financial perspectives. One person will have one idea around what they're comfortable spending and the other person may not be on the same page. Um, then also design comes into it as well. So somebody's got a specific design idea. They might want, you know, they've got their heart set on a black leather sofa, but Mm. their wife or their partner might want a white linen sofa then that means obviously the style direction goes in a completely different way because they've mm. got preconceived ideas. But then also what I use as like the kind of the neutral point is, well, the house and its architecture dictates mm. this. Therefore, we need to be sympathetic to the house and then that kind of will win both parties over because they'll go, all right, my husband loves, you know, Scandinavian style but mm. – I might really love coastal and you go, okay, well, you don't live anywhere near the beach. You're in an inner city apartment. So, Mm. you know, let's not go down the coastal path because that's just not going to work for one, the location and Mm. two, the area, um, sorry, not the area, the actual house itself. And that the architecture generally helps me. Um, And also the other issue that we face is maybe one partner has gone and hired me without permission or without chatting to the other person about it. And then that person feels railroaded because I'll come in with ideas that I've maybe spoken to the partner about. And then the, the other partner will go, oh, so you guys have had this conversation without me. So Mm. then you have to be careful of everyone's egos as well. And that can be really Mm. tricky because someone might be the one that's prompted the conversation about redecorating or redesigning, but then the other person thinks that they're in charge of the financial side of things and they don't want to necessarily spend the money. And then Mm. you've got to do that difficult dance between how much can we push to spend money versus Mm. what what can we do to still get a a beautiful outcome without, you know, rocking the boat too much in that regard. 
Oh my gosh, Emma! Yes, you 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 should put down a marriage counsel. <laughs> oh goodness, take and my I hat have off seen to it you. all. Like I honestly have some of the conversations, and the thing that shocks me is the amount of couples who have had arguments in front of me. When I'm a relative stranger, I may have met them twice before, mm-hmm. but because I'm in such an intimate space for them, mm-hmm. I get to know them on such a different level because they'll show me things in the house that you know they may not show other guests. They'll be like, "Oh, we have to find the space." for this and you know it might be the dead dog you know that they've got in an urn that they want somewhere for uh-huh. that to go and and then you know other things like they'll they'll be like okay well you know we want double shower heads in the shower and we want two sinks in the ensuite and mm. guests would come over and never see the ensuite but mm. we get to know everyone's personalities and all the little quirks I mean I could tell you so many fascinating stories about some of the strange briefs I've been given from clients <laughs> over the years <laughs> oh goodness! Give me a really strange one if it's on if it's on the top okay, of the head. I've got two. I've got two. One was a client that said she needed to get rid of her bedhead because when she and her husband <laughs> were making love, the mm-hmm. bedhead used to hit the wall too much and it would wake the children. <laughs> <laughs> she told me that in our first meeting with a completely deadpan face, and I just didn't know how to respond to that. <laughs> And then another client said to me that she was an accountant, but on the side, she was into quite interesting things in the bedroom. Mm -hmm. And that meant that all of the furniture that we needed to purchase had to be wipeable. Ah, Oh, wow. Okay. (laughs) Let's leave it at that. Oh, Emma, I mean, it just sounds like despite all of this, you're so practical. You're just stay focused, grounded, and you, you know, get on with the job. I don't judge. That's right. Nothing can shock me now. Tell me. Yeah, yeah. So, so given, like, you know, again, you know, it's working with people, it's working with their with their personalities and like Mm. when you're working with briefs, it's working with people's histories, with their conditioning. So you know, what do you continue to learn? Like it must be just an eye opener day in and day out. Yeah. And often people come to me because they have a space that's quite difficult. They don't have like a rectangular or a square space that you go, okay, well, very clearly the sofa goes here and the TV goes there and the dining table goes here. They'll come to me and go, it's a weird shaped room. We don't have the money to renovate yet. So we just want to make it to make it work mm. for the next like three to five years while we work with an architect to get, you know, in the future house planned. Mm. And, and so then I get thrown curveballs of, okay, cool, where am I going to put the sofa and where am I going to put the TV? Mm. You know, they haven't been able to work it out, so now it's my problem. Mm. It's almost like playing <laughs> geometry. Like <laughs> it is. It's a bit like Tetris. <laughs> Tetris more so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but that's stimulating for you, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if I did the same thing day in, day out, I'd get really bored really quickly. So I do mm. have a really – um, wide variety of clients that have a pretty wide variety of styles. I don't specialize in one look. Mm. Um, but I think, you know, that's largely because people trust me with different styles and they, they come to me for the outcome, not necessarily mm. like the, you know, the process or the actual piece of furniture that they're buying, but they trust me. We've built that rapport beforehand and then they're happy to hand it over and and walk in at the end and see what that looks like. Mm. Oh gosh, Emma, Emma, I've got so many questions for you. Normally, <laughs> normally I'm just listening, you know, and it's like, <laughs> I have all these questions. Okay. What would you do in your ideal home that maybe you haven't done yet or you, you know, whether it be budget, whether it be time, whatever it is. Um, 
I would love to have more time to sit and do some really beautiful custom furniture because I obviously get access to such amazing suppliers. And I mean, it's kind of that, what's that saying? The with the blacksmith kids are the worst shod. It, I mean, my mm-hmm. house is still beautiful and there's a lot of pieces in my house that I really love. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's also a few things that I've inherited from my grandmothers. One of them is an old chaise lounge that was my grandmother's grandmother. So my great, great grandmother's. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. And it's full of horse hair. It's that old. It was before feather oh, stuffing. Goodness. Yeah. And so, I mean, it would be hundred, a hundred and something. And, I'd love to get that recovered and do something really cool with it, but I just haven't got around to it yet. And mm. same with another bookcase that I've been given from a grandmother. I'd love to get that repainted, even though my mom tells me it's mahogany and it's a sin to paint it. Mm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so I think it's more, and I'm the type of person that will collect things over time. And I, I really love considered pieces of furniture, not necessarily going to the shops and buying things off the shelf. Mm. Mm. I like to have a point of difference. I know what I do for clients day in, day out. And mm. so I don't want the same thing for my own house. Mm. Um, I want it to be a little bit different and interesting and I want people to come over to my house and, and look around and discover new things each time they come and say, you know, I had one friend say to me the other day, she was in my house and she said, I love coming to your house. It's like walking to a shop mm. and every time there's something new and I have to work out what it is that's new in the house. <laughs> isn't that wonderful? It's like a little adventure going to your home, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It sure is. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow, Emma. I can just hear how much um, – you know, uh, being in interior uh, designer world absolutely energizes you and inspires you. What has it inspired you? Like on kind of on a personal level, um, I suppose, in terms of your own development, your own growth. Mm. It's interesting you say that because I obviously studied business. I'd never studied interior design. So mm. I have a massive amount of imposter syndrome because i don't feel like I'm allowed to do this or that I'm allowed to have interior designer on my business card because I didn't study. Mm. And that's an issue that I faced pretty much every day. And I have written two decorating books. So you'd think that I'd got over that, but Mm. (laughs) I keep waiting for someone to come and tap me on the shoulder and say, "Um, why do you think you can call yourself a designer? You're not. (laughs) And 10 years experience still hasn't changed that. So that's something I'm constantly working on is giving myself recognition of what I've achieved. Mm. Um, I'm a high achiever as it is. So I will reach one milestone or one goal and then immediately look to see what the next one is. I'm not the type of person that sits back and actually gives myself credit for anything. Um, Mm. And it's definitely something I need to work on. Mm. It's interesting. It's great that you're so aware of that, isn't it? And that that imposter syndrome is... um, think we all have that in different in different ways mm. and in different things whatever that what, whatever that may be um and mm. I appreciate you sharing that so openly about that because I'm sure that it's reassuring how many people are out there who you know are looking to maybe go into interior designing maybe they just have a natural knack for it like you have but mm. are stopping themselves because that maybe they don't want to study maybe they don't have the resources to do that mm. whatever the reason is um, but if it comes to them to just grab the opportunity and w- whether that be interior designing or, you know, astronomy, I don't know, just, mm. yeah. um, it's great. Um, so what, where do you see yourself going in terms of your business, in terms of you, like in terms of your, your life here, if you, if mm. I asked you about your vision for your life here, what, what comes to mind? 
Well, now we've started down the path of the tech world with Decor Library, which is a project management software system for designers to run their projects from start to finish. That is my focus for the next little while is continuing to grow the tech side because I just think the interior design industry has been starved of any kind of tech advancements and developments for a really long time. I mean, even a few years ago, suppliers were still using fax machines to order product, Mm. which is pretty shocking considering how far the tech world has come in the Mm. last few years in particular. So for me, that excites me significantly because it's combining my business skills and some of the early jobs that I had Mm. and also my passion for working with clients because I'm very efficient and I always find the easy way to do something. I'm always thinking there's got to be an easier, better way to do this Mm -hmm. rather than making my life harder for myself. Mm. Um, I'm a busy person. I don't have time to sit and do the same thing over again that's repetitive that you could find a tech solution for. So for the next little while, the focus will be on a significant part of um, Decor Library and building out tech functions to make interior designers' lives easier because in turn, that selfishly makes mine easier too. (laughs) Mm, Of course. And so just tell me a little bit more about the Decor Library. Yeah, so we're still in beta testing. We've got designers using the platform at the moment and giving us feedback so we can instantly implement that to make the platform even better. And we allow designers to create floor plans, design mood boards, share it with their clients all in the one space. Mm. So no more emailing, text messaging, phone calls, WhatsApp messages. Um, Everything will be collated in one space, which just means there's so much less room for error. And also just gives designers power back because so much of what we do, I mean, my brother jokes all the time, he's a builder, so he thinks he has a real job because he's a man and he goes to work and (laughs) builds houses. And he goes, yeah, but you just paint the walls and just like fluff around with cushions. (laughs) The sibling rivalry. Um, and and he says, oh, you know, you just fluff cushions for a living and he understands that it's a joke. But um, a lot of what I do is sticking my head in spreadsheets and answering emails all day long and it's not fluffing cushions. I Mm -hmm. wish I got to do more of that because that is the fun part. But the Mm -hmm. reality is designers actually spend, you know, probably only 20% of the time being creative and the rest of it is really admin heavy. So if we can try and solve that problem for designers and get them back out there doing what they love, then, you know, it's a win-win for everyone. Mm, That's so exciting, isn't it? Yeah. And there's so many possibilities with the tech world. There's, you know, all of the augmented reality that's coming Mm. around as well. People can't visualize what their house could look like, which is why they hire a designer. And then if a designer doesn't have the tech skills to create a compelling enough concept for the client, they're just not going to take the risk and do what the client of what the designer is recommending because they can't see the end result. But if we can put some Mm. of that into augmented reality and they can visualize what their finished room could look like, then that just makes the designer's life easier and also means that they can push the design boundaries a bit more as well. Mm, so exciting. So exciting. Yeah. I'm really excited for you, Emma. Thank this you. is like the, I mean, you sound like a real um, trailblazer in, in your world. Yeah, I guess so. No one else has really tried to do it yet. So maybe I'm just insane. <laughs> <laughs> You're one of a kind. Um, Emma, any parting words in terms of our conversation and particularly for those who are thinking, sitting on the idea of wanting to make this space beautiful, but, you know, they're like, but, but, but. Yeah, I think start with a plan. So, you know, map out your floor plan, work out where the traffic flow through the, flows through the room, 
work out practical choices in terms of furniture pieces, what would work for you as a family or you as a couple or you as a single person um, and really give thought to what your needs and wants are for that space because Mm. that will ultimately determine what furniture is required for the room. And then you work through things like colour, pattern, proportion of furniture, shape Mm. and size and also lighting because that's a really important element in well, I mean, that's those. these are all the five elements of decorating that I talk about in my book home, but they're all really important elements that help make a cohesive space that looks beautiful but is also practical. And I think that's that's the end goal, right? You want, you want the space to be beautiful, but it also needs to be practical and it needs to yeah. work for you and how you use the space. Yeah, exactly. You know, one of the things that really bugged me <laughs> is when I see those magazines, beautiful, whatever it is, Vogue, beautiful, you know, home beautiful, whatever they are. And it's like, there's just nothing on the table. There's no little bits and pieces from my kids that, and, and there's kids living in that like, home. Oh, what is that about? Is it all about staging? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I will break it to you now. I do a lot of styling for catalogs okay. and magazines and the way we style for photo shoots versus the way we style for people to live in the space is so different. All right, I feel better now. <laughs> we remove 80% of those things when we go into something. Okay, I feel so much better now because that, that... – No one lives like that. <laughs> That's well, maybe brilliant. I do. I think I'm a little bit anal when it comes to those things. So my my mum jokes when she comes to my house. Yeah. Anyone could walk through here and take photos of your house at any oh. time, time of the day or night because your house looks beautiful all the time. But that's just my obsession because I live and breathe it. Yes, exactly. And you, yeah, why not? If that's what you want, exactly. I mean, if if you one day if and if you have kids, well, you know, we'll we'll have another chat then. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, that's when I'll come to you for the psychology uh. and understanding. I can be. Missed. And it doesn't affect me. <laughs> That's right. I had to learn that, Emma. I tell you what, I was a bit of a control freak starting out, but things have changed. Emma, it has been so awesome to talk to you. Um, Thank you. The only really thing I wanted to for me as well. Oh, good. That's the idea. Not just you know, it's it's also for the speaker, um, for the guest. The only thing I wanted to ask you is just the names of your two books. So you mentioned yes. home. Yes, home is the first one. That's the elements of decorating and keeping house is styling and entertaining. So that one's the fun one. And that's something we can get from your website, which I will put in the notes. Yes, they're both available on the website. Excellent, Emma. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much, Susie. Thank you for listening to Susie Petruzzi's Empowered Conversations. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe. Leaving a review helps others find the podcast. And for more information, visit suzypetrozzi.com.